Hi everyone and welcome to Heroes and Howlers and the Rest is History. I'm Mikey Robbins. I'm a bit of a history nerd, but my mate Paul Wilson... Hi, everybody. Paul's a proper historian, all the way from Oxford. Thanks, Mikey. Okay, folks, so here's the show. It's about the unsung heroes, the bizarre twists of fate, those weird bits of history that have surreptitiously changed the course of mankind. Yeah, actually, mate, it's also about the (laughs) cock-ups. Those howlers, the moments of madness, they're sometimes tragic, sometimes comical, that have made the world what it is today. Hi everyone, look, today we're going to be trying to answer a question that has plagued historians for, for quite a few years. Mm. Just how did Napoleon Bonaparte die? That's right, Mackie, and we're not talking about you know, the March on Moscow, Austerlitz. we're talking about his death, 1821, on St. Helena. So, a few weeks before he dies, and this is the interesting bit, he, he wrote in his will, If I die before my time, I have been murdered by the English oligarchy and its assassins. And that's right, Mackie, yeah, and so... These assassins lying in wait well, yeah. in, in St. Helena. Is is that true? It, it, was it the British? Were they trying to bump him off in Longwood? Or was it something you mightn't have thought of before? Right. So we uh, that's the episode today, folks. Just to give you a little bit of background, we're talking, it's 1821, it's after the Napoleonic Wars. Um, Napoleon, of course, had been in Elba, he'd escaped, then there's Battle of Waterloo. That's all finished. And back in Britain, mm. um, you've got that howler of howlers, the worst of them all, uh, George, Prince Regent. He's now just it, become a George. Shocker. He is a shocker, and he's just become George IV. Um, so we're talking post Enlightenment, aren't we now, Mikey? Yeah, and there's been great strides in science and in, medi- and in medicine, but. You've got to remember, in the 19th century, early 19th century Mm. Europe, life expectancy is still very, very low. Yeah, it's about 41. And Napoleon, he dies at 51. Yeah, but you have to remember, too, that 51 for a man of his status Mm. is still quite premature. Which is why, at the time... And ever since. And ever since, there's been those who suspected foul play. Precisely. Okay, so let's get this investigation started. And you, Mikey, you want to start not with the who... But the how, because you think you've got the prime suspect in the form of arsenic. Correct. Now, of course, arsenic had been a poison of choice for centuries. In fact, in 19th century France, it was it was used so often to give you a leg up. It was known as inheritance powder. Inheritance powder, that's right. Yes, yeah, and you've had that since the Borgias. Lucretia Borgia, back in Renaissance Italy. Well, the rumour was she actually used to keep it hidden in a little thing in her ring. She in could, a ring, that's right. I think that's a little bit made up. But, it's, it's but the important that. thing is, it's, yeah, arsenic was very much a legal substance. Oh, and it was everywhere, it, wasn't it? It, man, it was everywhere and it was being used for a multitude of things. I mean, to preserve beer, it was in wine, mm-hmm. it, was, it was on the playing cards that you held. And it's even used as an aphrodisiac. <laughs> yeah, which basically proves that yeah, people will take anything that gets them laid. Well, they think it will. <laughs> but, but it was so prevalent. And in so many households, there's, the, mm. there's this 1850s story of a bloke called Humbug Billy mm. in London. Now, he was a sweet maker, right? Right. Well, hence the words Humbug, Humbug Billy. Billy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he killed 25 people and what? poisoned over 100 more wow. when he accidentally got his arsenic mixed up with sugar <laughs> when he was making peppermint candies. Oh, dear. But um, with Napoleon, what are you saying? Were you saying he was eating humbugs? No, but you're getting close. Now, okay. Now, we need to go back to Sweden in 1771. Mm-hmm. There was a rather gifted chemist known as Carl Scheele. Right. Who loved sort of, you know, apart from doing his apocryphy stuff, mm-hmm. he liked doing experiments. Right. Now, he'd actually he'd come up with a pigment called Turner Yellow. Nice, yeah. Which is famous for 
the Turner Painter Turner. Well, actually, no. It's not named after Turner the Painter. Right. It's named after a bloke with exactly the same name. <laughs> but this is one of the problems with the Shield. Just bear with me with this for a second, folks. Go on. Shield was a brilliant chemist, but a lousy businessman. Ah, right. And he hadn't patented his particular colour of yellow. Right. So another bloke called Turner, not the painter, grabbed that. <laughs> he nicked it. He yep. got the patent. And then to make it even more confusing, Turner, the great painter, also used the same colour. Same <laughs> But, okay, we're going to move aside from the car. Yeah, we're moving well, that, on. It's not just a yellow you're talking about. You're also talking green. And that's the thing. She was also mucking about trying to find a particularly beguiling shade of green. Right. And he came up with a compound that was known as copper arsenite. Oh, yeah, that doesn't sound too good. Very bright, very beguiling. And yeah. And the word arsenic, so it's got arsenic in arsenic, it. Arsenic, so he's using arsenic to make paint. Yeah, right, okay. yeah. And, and in fact, <laughs> the moment he makes it, it's virtually banned in Sweden. Banned? Not surprised. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's such a striking shade of green, mm-hmm. word gets out, and suddenly everyone wants a piece of oh, it. Oh, what, in the rest of Europe? Mate, England loves it so much, it actually ends up in the wallpaper. In the wallpaper, right, okay. Although I suppose that does make sense, because... We are now in the Industrial Revolution, aren't we? Yeah. So you've got the exploding middle classes. And there was a lot of that um, house decoration and you know, I think wallpaper really takes off, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, in fact, in 40 years in mm. the 19th century, wallpaper production goes up 2,615%. Right. That's how much the English fall in love with right. wallpaper. Okay. Yeah, you've got to remember, folks, you're talking this period is like the, the pre-Raphaelites, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. A lot of these people really want to look as fancy down as they can. And you've got that great designer, haven't you, William Morris? William Morris, not the guy who makes Morris cars. I'm- no, that's right. Although I would have liked to have been the same William Morris because I actually lived in Morris garages when I was at New College, but that's another story. You know, we're talking about William Morris, the great designer, yeah. uh, the great um, the leader. Of, of design in the 90s. In fact, if you watch Antics Radio as much as I do, you will hear William Morris's name come up quite often. And one of his specialities, of course, was wallpaper. And one of the most in-demand colours and designs mm-hmm. used Shields Green. Ah, right. So this Shields Green with the arsenic is William Morris's wallpaper. And in the terms of the death of Napoleon, Paulie, we might just have our smoking gun. All right, folks, so we're trying to investigate just how Napoleon ended up dying on St. Helena. It's a bit of a whodunit, and Mikey, you think you've got the next clue. Right, mate, so in the 1850s, medical reports in England Mm. start linking wallpaper with illness and death. Mm. There's a Birmingham doctor called William Hines, Mm -hmm. and he says a great deal of slow poisoning is going on in Great Britain. Right. But William Morris, the designer, he dismisses this as nonsense and a witch hunt. Right, so so Hines, he's actually putting two and two together. When he says slow poisoning, he means the wallpaper. Paper, yeah, he's he he says that's a guilty party. Now here's the thing, William Morris, and I know he is a great designer. Mm. His designs are much respected. Yep, but he's my howler, right? Because one thing that doesn't get mentioned is Morris's family actually owned the Great Consoles Mine in Devon, right? Which supplies half the world's demand for arsenic. Arsenic. Oh, he's an arsenic. Oh, so yeah. he's well, the, got, the, mo- the, the he's fam- got skin in the game. The family's got money in Right. No, 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 you know. You know that, that's quite weird because Morris later on, he's known as a bit of a sort of rights campaigner, proto-Marxist. Doesn't he set up the Socialist League? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But 
actually what you're saying he's just a dodgy railroading capitalist well mate even though he eventually divests himself of the shares that's right. just for PR yeah. he never once visited those arctic mines or factories right and this is a bloke who's supposed to care about workers rights right he just makes money by yeah. putting that arsenic in his wallpaper and flogging it around the globe I see which everyone wants and which brings me to my hero mm. Dr Thomas Orton Okay. I hadn't heard of him either. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. You lost me. Go okay. On. Dr. Thomas Orton, think of him as Victorian England's version of Hugh Laurie's character House. Oh, yeah. I like that with the walking stick. Good. Yeah. So in 1862, there's a, a family in East London called the Turner family. One of the children dies and three are really sick. Okay, folks. So you, mid-19th century East London, of course, yeah, there's quite a few things that it could have been. It could have been cholera, typhoid, diphtheria. Well, actually, diphtheria was the main suspect. Mm-hmm. But Orton did a bit of poking around. Right. Now, you would have think that if one family had diphtheria in mm. that part of London, it would be all through the suburb. Yeah, it's highly contagious, of course, yeah. 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 Well, there were no other symptoms of it in that part of East London. Ah, right. And then when the first child, Anne Amelia, dies, yeah. the other sisters are given diphtheria medication. Ah, right. And so it can't be... Right. No, because they still sadly die. Right. But this is where Orton does something amazing. He demands that the children... The dead children mm. get a post-mortem. Ah, right. And, of course, what do they find what in the they bodies? Find? They find arsenic. <gasps> and then... From, from wallpaper. So oh, so he's was he quite a wealthy man? Would, he's the sort of guy who'd have wallpaper in his home? Uh, uh, Mr. Turner. Now, Mr. Turner was a bricklayer, but he, right. must, he must have risen to sort of like a foreman-style position. Sure. So he could afford to actually have a featured wall of wallpaper. And, fortunately... Our, our hero, Orton, had read about Hines' earlier investigations and reports. Right. And he'd noticed the green wallpaper in the family home. So what did Morris say? Well, Morris was defined. Right. Uh, William Morris was completely defined. In fact, he, he wrote a letter to a friend saying that instead of checking out his beautiful wallpaper, mm-hmm. they should be looking at the water closets. Ah, right. So, yeah, the toilets, right, the bathrooms. Yeah, yeah. Once again, it was diphtheria. The other thing, too, was even if the link had been proven between the the wallpaper, which was full of arsenic, Mm. and deaths, Mm. people actually thought that you had to either lick or eat the wallpaper. (laughs) Eat eat the wallpaper, right, yeah, if you're actually going to be poisoned. So it goes to court. Yeah. And the thing is the jury just can't wrap their head around the whole death by wallpaper concept. Mm -hmm. So it gets sort of, well, the verdict is natural causes. Right. But the coroner, Mm. he writes a blistering rebuke Mm. against the green wallpaper. Right. The judge says he has reservations about the stuff. Right. And letters to the paper, well, the British public rise up. Right. Good, good. No, in defence of their bloody wallpaper. Oh, right. Oh, so they come out on Morris's side. Okay, well, so what does Orton do? Well, mate, he persists. Mm. And because of his persistence, there are more experimentations. Mm. And eventually it's proven that in damp conditions... Yeah, like the, we said with the London pea supers. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Exactly, The arsenic... Well, England on any day really well, is well, I mean, I wasn't <laughs> going to say it. But yes, exactly. Those conditions in overcrowded East London where it was damp, mm. the arsenic would either get into the atmosphere in either tiny flakes or, mm. it hit, this is even worse, mm. it would dissolve into a poisonous gas. Oh, right. Oof, arsenic gas. Wow. So did they ban it? No. <laughs> no. But to give you an idea, mate... Queen Victoria, mm-hmm. after a visiting German dignitary at Buckingham Palace, yeah. complains of stomach cramps, right. she removes all the green wallpaper in the palace. Oh!
Don't worry, folks. We're about to solve this case. We've got the arsenic. We've got the wallpaper. But, Mikey, tell me, you said they didn't ban it. No, mate, they didn't legislate it. It, it basically went out of fashion, mm-hmm. as, as things do. And also, too, round about the 1870s, they found a new compound which wasn't quite as poisonous. Right. But William Morris was unrepentant. Right. In fact... Even after this was over, in 1885, he mm. said, as to the arsenic scare, mm-hmm. a greater folly is hardly possible to imagine. <sighs> the doctors were bitten as people were bitten by the witch fever. By the witch fever. And, of course, yeah, William Morris wallpaper, I suppose, still selling today, isn't it? Yeah, so- and it's beautiful. And we should say it's completely safe. <laughs> it completely has, been, has been for well over a century. All right. So, now, Napoleon. Right. Napoleon is a, has died. It's 1821. Mm. He's on... St. Helena. Um, Now, I won't get a map out, Mike, but just the folks at home know, St. Helena is that little tiny island in the middle, literally of nowhere in the South Atlantic, right? Because they'd gone to Elba and escaped too easily. So the British, he's now being captured by the British and the British are holding him and that's where he dies and that is where he's buried in 1821. But in 1840, mm. his body's exhumed right. to be sent back to France. Ah. And people are amazed when they dug the little fella up <clears throat> because he hadn't decomposed that much. Right. Now, you have to remember, arsenic, it poisons microorganisms. Right. It slows down decomposition. It, yep. it's, it's actually called arsenic mummification. Okay, right. So in the 1990s, yep. they actually tested a strand of Napoleon's hair oh. and they found mm. massive amounts of arsenic in his system. Oh, right, okay. So this would tie in very nicely with what you said at the beginning about Napoleon writing his will, isn't it, Mikey? Yeah, the bit about how he was sure the British government was trying to bump him off. Okay, so the house Longwood where he was interred, right? Yes, yeah, so he's in prison, but it's quite a nice house. It's it's actually an old mansion on St. Helena, yeah, Longwood. And they've actually done it up for him. Right. And this is the thing. Just after his death, Mm. someone souvenired a swatch of wallpaper from Napoleon's Bedroom. Ah, where he's incarcerated, right? Exactly. Now, this lies forgotten mm-hmm. in a family scrapbook in Devon, England, mm-hmm. for 150 years. Right. And just after they do the post mortem on Napoleon's hair, mm-hmm. this swatch of wallpaper is presented. It's ah, tested. It right. shields green. It's chock full of arsenic. Ah, right. So he's been sleeping all this time in a bedroom full of arsenic wallpaper. Yes. And I would love to say that it was the wallpaper that killed him. Right. But see, here's the thing. Napoleon, all through his life, was, was very fond of giving away clippings of his hair. Was he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's the thing. We can actually test Napoleon's hair from childhood to, to the day he oh, dies. Oh, right, okay. Now, remember how we said at the start, arsenic was everywhere sure. in that time in Europe. It was you know, used for virtually everything. Household substance, yeah. yeah. So by looking at clippings of Napoleon's hair, mm. we can trace just how much arsenic built up in his system while he was alive. Right. In fact, it looked like he had a hundred times more arsenic in his system mm. than you would expect a normal person to have today. So what you're saying is that because arsenic was so prevalent at the time, those levels could be completely innocent. Or maybe Napoleon could have been doing what rulers have been doing since Mithras, since Mm -hmm. ancient times, and deliberately ingesting small amounts of poison on a regular Uh, basis to build up a tolerance, Mm. just in case someone tried to bump him off. Right, so but either way, all this arsenic in his system wasn't doing him any favours. Precisely. And if we go back to what your man Orton was saying about arsenic infiltrating damp, sweaty conditions, and if we go back to St Helena... On the map, which I'm not going to bring out. Of course, um, You'll see that St Helena is is right in the tropics, a hot, humid and very, very damp island in the middle of the ocean. So, if Napoleon was going to bed every night tucked up with shields green... 
It was the wallpaper that did it. Well, it probably just pushed him over the edge. And what about Morris? Well, here's the thing, too. To his dying day, Morris still refused to take any responsibility. Mm -hmm. But, mate, you know Walthamstow, London? I do, yeah, just up the road from where I used to live in Highbury, yeah. Well, okay, if you go there, his old home is now a gallery museum. Mm -hmm. And one or two of the rooms still have the... Still got the... Still got the... the original. Yeah, the original dangerous wallpaper. Shields green. Yeah, but if you go there, you can't see it because the public aren't allowed in. Ah. And even when the staff clean it once or twice a year, they've got to put on full hazmat suits to do the job. Oh, okay, folks, that's the end of the show. So if you've got any questions about Napoleon or or swatches of wallpaper you want us to look at, (laughs) drop us a line on all your social media using the handle at and the rest is hist. And the rest is hist. And you can find all that stuff in the show notes. Okay, and if you like the podcast, don't forget to like, subscribe and comment, you know, whichever platforms you usually use. Which means it's next episode time. Okay, so this episode has been about someone everybody knows. Next week, I've got someone everyone should know. Well, that's partially what this show's all about. That's true, and then we're off to Africa, and it's the legendary city of... I was going to leave us hanging. (laughs) 